Alright, lovely folks of the internet and beyond. Hello, it's me, your titular Stace. Welcome to episode 118 of Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. I'm joined this month by friend of the parlour and a regular visitor to the virtual space that is the parlour. And my very good friend, it's the lovely Lee Grice. Hello, Lee. Hello. Bonjour. <laughs> I need a new greeting. I keep going, hello. And like, oh, I don't do that <laughs> Like a children's life. TV presenter. Hello. Yeah, I don't do that in real I don't understand. I don't do that in real <laughs> life at all. Only when I'm on a podcast, I go, hello. <laughs> I have come to the conclusion, and I may have said this on a podcast before, that doing introductions to podcasts is one of the most embarrassing things in the history of anything ever. Because... You d- you never know what you're going to fucking say, even if you write it down. And then if you write it down, you'll probably misread it, say it wrong, and mm. fluff it up. And even if you manage to get it all out, it probably just falls flat because there isn't an audience here to cheer or clap or yeah. whatever. And, and then what, your guest what? goes, hello, like a nutter. <laughs> and also, I'm saying hello to you like we haven't already been talking for an hour. For a literal hour. A literal hour about so much shit. Like... Oh. <laughs> unimportant yeah. mad yeah. shit yeah. <laughs> putting the but, world to rights about people who want our money when we yeah. win the lottery and i don't even play the lottery yeah. but if they try and come and get my how money how dare my dad hypothetically come and try and get money off me the dickhead <laughs> how dare he how even dare he god <laughs> have you just even though this was a conversation that wasn't recorded, so people will be like, what is the context to this? Did you happen to watch How To with John Wilson at all? No. Mm. There is an episode of that. Uh, <laughs> there is an episode of that which is about how to fairly split a bill. Um, and I'm not going to say any more than that. I think everybody should just go and watch it. It's really funny. <laughs> it's really very funny. It's just like this comedian who does these like How To Guide type videos, but oftentimes they're... Nothing to do with actually anything. <laughs> yeah. It's great stuff. Anyway, that wasn't what I was here to talk about, because that came out last year, and I think I've already talked about it anyway. I'm pretty sure it was on my top things of the year list in December. I don't know. Okay. I can't actually remember. That's really bad. That wasn't even that long ago. <laughs> Help. Well, I've lost is, I mean, I know. It's, it's that, we're in this weird zone where when I talk about last year, in my head I'm talking about 2019. Mm-hmm. We normally yeah. go, oh, well, that thing came out last year. And in my head, I'm thinking about 2019, but not 2020. Yeah. Um, I mean, I barely even read for that it's 2021 now. It doesn't, you know, and now we're in April. Yeah, I, I can't fathom out how time works because I felt like last year went on forever. And I thought because this year we were still in lockdown and whatever, it'd be more of the same. But this time I'm like, how is it almost my anniversary? And why mm-hmm. haven't I bought Richard Gift yet? Shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Let's talk about films. So this is the part where in most episodes I would jokingly say that I'm a super gracious host and I would bat it over to my guest to start oh. talking about whatever they would like to talk about. But I'm not going to do that this time just because of the pure fact that I basically bullied Lee into doing this because I really want to talk about Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't even give him a choice. I was like, Lee, when are you free? <laughs> yeah, do you want to talk about Godzilla versus Kong? And I, I get the idea it was either yes, and that's good, you can come on the show, or no thanks, well, okay, I'll go and ask somebody else. <laughs> See your pals. But, yeah, that, but um... that's okay, because I, <laughs> I picked this anyway. Oh, good. Know. So, go on, how did you fit? Because I've, I've briefly talked about this on an episode of Stace and Barry in the morning, mm-hmm. but Barry hadn't seen it. So it yeah. was basically just me going, I fucking loved it, mate. 
for like yeah, five-minute stroke. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of like a fan of the, the kind of the MonsterVerse or whatever it's called anyway. I like I liked the, the, the Godzilla from 2004, something like that. And, and, and then there was you know, Skull Island, which I loved. And I've, I've talked about Skull Island on, uh, in the parlor a few times. I'm sure I reviewed it. I was on when it came out because I warned you about the giant spiders. You did. Thank you for that. So I loved that. Uh, and then I loved, I was it King of Monsters as well yeah. when that came out. And I, I, and, and then this one came out. And of course it's like, oh, it's, I haven't really missed the cinema an awful lot during lockdown. Yeah. Uh, Part of that is, I think, because there hasn't been anything out. Mm. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm missing this, that, and the other, um, because there's nothing there. So you can't really miss the cinema experience if you if there's nothing to go and see. So, yeah. but this is the one where I'm going. I wish I'd seen this at the cinema. Same. They have to re-release it when British yeah. cinemas open properly. They have to. It is. You're just sitting there thinking, this is a this is was completely made for. And like, here's 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 the thing. Like when it came out. Obviously, the, the advanced reviews come out. And as with anything, there was like little kind of, again, with every Godzilla film that comes out, they go, oh, well, you know, the human element's a bit weak. And I go, of course it fucking is. It's supposed, it's not about people. If anything, the goal is to do a Godzilla movie with no humans in it at all. <laughs> you know, we've basically got to have the humans in there just for the exposition. Because Godzilla can't talk, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you yeah, know, the, the people are just there to move things forward. Nobody comes out of a Godzilla film going, I nearly cried when he proposed to, you know. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, that's not what it's about, you know. It's they're just, they're props. We want to see the monsters fighting, you know. And then, and then there was a review I read, and you're going, oh, well, it's all right, I suppose, if you like watching a giant lizard punch a gorilla. Yeah, I, thought, I do. Of course I fucking do. I really do. <laughs> that's that's exactly what I want to go and say. No, I think yes, you please. snotty bastard. What do you think? It's not even there hiding it behind, like, you know, a pansy title, a poetic title, you know, an arty title. It's not. It's called Godzilla vs. Kong, yeah. you know? That's about as lowbrow as you can get when it comes to, you know, movie titles and it, it and you know and i was thinking oh well you know and actually and then i thought well you're actually being unfair because there's actually a fair bit of, you know the characters are quite enjoyable the human elements it does what it needs to do in that it moves the story forward there, there's some yeah. likable people there's some unlikable people you don't have to be super invested in them but they're there enough so that you're just waiting for the next bit of gorilla action or whatever you know so <laughs> yeah. And I thought, no, this, and look, I think I, I, I clocked the counter and I think it was like an hour before the first punch. <laughs> the first <laughs> yeah, but it was Godzilla only like 30 Kong seconds punch. before the first Kong scratches his ass, I, which I loved. What? I was but, in. Yeah, that, <laughs> as soon as I saw that, I thought, you've, you've won me over. I'm, I'm in. Mommy. I mean, there's <laughs> certain films where in that, you know, in the first couple of seconds, they show you something, and you go, I'm yeah. done. There can be nothing else for the rest of the film. And I'll still go, this is going to be the top 10 of my year. You've won me over. You just go, yeah, I know what you're doing. It's, it's good. So yeah. And I just, I just loved the, like, it's, it's clearly been made. What I, and again, we've had this conversation before when we've talked about like comic book movies and stuff. And one of my big bugbears is when you get somebody making a, a movie of a, of a pre-existing property, whether it's a comic book character or a book or whatever. And they basically come with the attitude of, I can do, I don't care what's gone before. I'm not going to do what's there. I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah. Right. And you can tell that they've never seen 
Zorro or whatever it is that they're adapting. Yeah. You know, this is clearly their fans. The people making this know what they're doing and they, they know, they know the mythology and, you know, it's in their blood. You know, it's not a case of somebody coming along and going, well, I got the gig to do a Godzilla movie. So I thought, well, what could I do to make a Godzilla movie interesting for me to do? You know, and oh, well, yeah. I know I won't have Godzilla in it. I'll just yeah. have people talk <laughs> about Godzilla in like mm. a drawing room over a cup of coffee for an hour and a half. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, these people, yeah. they, they, they clearly know what they want out of a Godzilla movie and what, what's fun. And we know that we, you know, we want to see fucking a giant lizard and a giant gorilla twat each other yeah. in well, as many creative ways as possible. <laughs> well, this is the thing you say, because I, so, I've done a real ass-backwards thing with these films. So I had, prior to this, uh, I had only ever seen King of the Monsters. Mm. Um, I don't know why I missed the, the first one the first time round. And I, and I avoided Kong because I've just not really been a big fan of like Kong movies in the past. Like yeah. I, I remember thinking the Peter Jackson one was like passable, but I don't think I've ever mm. had the inclination to watch it again since. So I was very much of a mindset of like, you know, King of the Monsters was fine, but for me personally, there wasn't enough of the monsters having a scrap. Mm. Um, so me and Rich, when Godzilla vs. Kong was going to come out, he was like, right, we'll watch all the Monsterverse movies, but we'll also try and cram in a load of the old school ones as well. Yeah, yeah. So like, obviously we went back and we've watched like old school, like Godzilla, Return of Godzilla, Son of Kong, like yeah. uh, Invasion of the Astro Monster, like all sorts of <laughs> absolute chaos. Yeah. And the thing that I found quite interesting about it is, is that there is a lot of human stuff in those original ones. Yeah. But the most entertaining parts are still the monsters. And the yeah. great thing about those older ones is that they have a really good balance of like the monsters. Like there's a bit, I can't remember if it was in a Mothra one or if it was the one where Rodan first comes into it, but there's a bit where there's just like four monsters all having a fight at once for like 20 odd minutes straight. And like Godzilla's there lobbing rocks because the Godzilla used to be a man in a suit, and I fucking love that so hard. I'm not even yeah. kidding. Got like Godzilla doing a victory jig in Invasion of the Astro Monster <laughs> might be one of the best things I've ever fucking seen oh, in my have entire you seen fucking one where life. He does his, uh, his Bruce Lee where he wipes his nose. Where he no, he, I don't think he, I have. There's one where he does yeah, and, and it's oh. like a, he does like a Muhammad Ali kind of jig, boxing jig, yeah. and then he oh, kind of God. flicks his nose like Bruce Lee. I maintain that Mothra is the original girl boss as well. She is fucking phenomenal. But, like, the thing that I loved about it was that, and, and like, a lot of the human stories are totally batshit as well in the old oh, yeah, ones. Yeah. It's like, there's, there's like, one, it might, uh, is it Mothra or not? I can't remember. Where, like, a princess from somewhere is supposed to be assassinated, but instead she escapes and then is, like, taken over by the body of, like, a Venusian alien or something. <laughs> and then Mothra... I don't know, like, who fucking knows? And then she's the princess again at the end, dude. But what? Like, yeah. it's absolutely banana. So, like, I was a bit disappointed with the the newer Godzilla, the one that's, like, part of this current sort of monsterverse, yeah. because there was so little Godzilla in it. Yeah. That, um, and then a lot of the times there were bits of Godzilla, but it was like Godzilla's in the background while for some reason we focus on Aaron Taylor Johnson having no charisma. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like Paul yeah, Elizabeth just, Olsen doing the, the absolute best she can with a nothing character. <laughs> yeah. I think Paul. that was, cause that was, this is the kind of frustrating thing. Cause I think, cause the guy who did that, and I can't think of his name, did another film called monsters that was like, took a, a kind of like documentary, uh, look 
uh, mm. like giant monsters, which was really good, really clever. And I went, okay, he'll be, he's the guy to do like a good straight kind of Godzilla movie. Yeah. And I like that one, but I do think it's one of those where it's kind of like, yeah, but you don't really want to <laughs> do the kind of off screen hidden in the shadows. It's very dark. You'd, you want to see the fucking monster. Yeah. You know? Godzilla's not where you go all Cloverfield about it. It's where no. you go look at fucking Godzilla. Yeah. So like, so we watched that and I was like, okay, like that was fine, I suppose. Then we watched Kong of Skull Island and mate, I am so annoyed with myself for not watching it earlier. Kong <laughs> is fucking great. At, if like, I still so maintain that the, the, the helicopter bit at the start where, where Kong is one of the best action sequences, set pieces it's of so Hollywood good. history. It's it's so good and then there was a bit where he gets attacked by like this giant squid and he just fucking yeah. smashes its face on a rock and i was like yes have it like i was just <laughs> i was i was in so we yeah. watched god we watched king of the monsters again and i was like do you know what i like this a bit more now i think but yeah. so godzilla versus kong and i am going to spoil the shit out of this folks so if you don't want to know exactly what happens in this movie scroll ahead a little bit or go mm. and watch it and then come back the thing i liked about this was the problem i had with um king of the monsters was the fact that all the monster bits were great mothra looked great you know all the monsters like because a, a shit ton of them come up don't they and start yeah, being fucking yeah. mental and it's just <laughs> all of that is great but the all of the people in it are just like what's the best word for it just like just normal and boring like yeah. they just don't there's no there's nobody who's got charisma there's nobody who's a bit funny or there's no there's like no one who's interesting really to watch mm. So you're like, all the bits where there's not monsters on the screen, you just like, put another monster on the screen, please. Yeah. Put one on the screen. Whereas in Godzilla versus Kong, I absolutely loved that little sort of, the bit with the like conspiracy podcast guy <laughs> yeah. who was just like Bernie. stumbling into <laughs> all sorts of like, conspiracies and things and like just yeah. having that clearly the time of his life like he was he was clearly a person who was like i want to be in a godzilla movie i don't care what i play i don't i don't care what role <laughs> i have i want to be in a godzilla movie because i will enjoy the heck in heck out of it yeah. um so he just looks like he's having the time of his life yeah. um, and they clearly cut back a bit on the human element in this because we talked about this in a whatsapp there's like incongruously lance reddick is just there but they yeah. never sort of address who he is or what he does in the company or anything because he's, yeah, there's, he's there's, literally just there. Like it's clearly yeah. a much longer film there because um, Zhang Ziyi was cast in it and um, what's her name who was in uh, Jennifer Hen uh, Jessica Henwick um, was cast in it and I was sitting I'm not a big fan of hers so I was sitting through going where is she when's she going to turn oh, is she going to turn up now and she's not in it. I'm like, well, where the fucking hell was she? Did I get my wires crossed? Um, and now she completely, they were both completely cut out. And like, um, Lance Reddick was, uh, cut out. And he's like, and he's a face, you recognize him. Yeah. And he comes in, says a pithy line, and then you don't see him again. You think, well, that was a weird thing to cast well, in. Well, yeah, because I remember that. saying to Rich, like, was he in this previously? And I've forgotten him because that, because they don't sort of introduce him as a thing. Mm. You get the feeling that, oh, I must have seen him before, but yeah, you was haven't. He, was he in King of Monsters? And I, did I forget? Is yeah. he? Yeah, because you've got, you know, you'll have characters in there who, if they're in the previous one, they don't really introduce them. They assume that you know who they are. Yeah. And you kind of go, okay, there's, there's what's his face, the good looking dude. So that's, that's fine then. That's, you know, Whatever. Yeah. So, but yeah, apparently he's like the boss of 
monarch there or something like that. And, okay. And he was supposed to have a much <laughs> bigger role in it. And it's like, well, yeah. you know, I'm kind of like, well, give me a – I want the extended version. Because <laughs> this, was, this was a quick two hours for me. This was like a – it was a blur of the two hours. I'm it like, was. give me the four-hour Snyder Cut of, of – <laughs> I don't I don't think I'd go that far because for me like I very much enjoyed the ratio of uh, people to monster (laughs) fights in this but the thing that blew my mind more than anything else and Rich assures me that this was in the trailers so that it's not a spoiler but I don't think it was in the trailers because I don't know how I could have missed this they put a fucking mecha Godzilla in it mate I almost shit when that came out I was like are you fucking kidding me what Well, this is the thing. One of the things I liked about this, and it was the same for, uh, I remember I was saying the same about Skull Island, was this, it's really nice when you're watching a film like this and you, your brain like skips ahead of the plot and goes, wouldn't it be cool if they did this next? Or wouldn't it be cool if this happened? And then it happened. So it was like, I remember like, you know, with the, the first, you got they had the first fight with Kong versus Godzilla on the ships, which was fucking amazing. So good. And then um, Godzilla wins that one. And in my head, I'm going round one to Godzilla, right? <laughs> and then somebody says round one to Godzilla, or, or later <laughs> I thought, oh yes, we're on the right wavelength. We're 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 simpatico. This is good. And I thought, oh, this is this. I, I get it. This is what they're doing. They go, no, we're going to do this by rounds. So Godzilla wins round one. Kong wins round two, and then it's all up for the, you know, the final one. Like, who's going to win? Oh, this, this is what you fucking want from this stuff, you know. Um, like, I couldn't get enough of the sort of, you know, the sort of final boss battle mm-hmm. where it's like, look, we're just going to go full fucking insane on this. Yeah. We're just going to have it in a mad neon area of a city that looks absolutely nuts it looks like a level from a video game yeah we're gonna have i thought king kong in hong kong it's what i've I've been after this for years i wanted king kong doing kung fu in hong kong it's so good and they're just like slamming each other into fucking buildings and like everything's just nuts like i just couldn't control myself at all i was squealing i was like punching (laughs) rich and be like i can't believe this is on my screen right now what 2021 has already raised the bar this is my film of 2021 so far and i don't care how like lowbrow people think it is it is Mm. the most fun i've had watching a film for a really long time yeah it was i mean as i was i mean one of the things i will I wanted to mention, like, it's not related to what we were just talking about, just like a really fun thing was I'm kind of a fan of Tarzan. I grew up with Tarzan movies, so I'm kind of a Tarzan fan. But I also understand that Tarzan's kind of problematic these yeah. days. It's it's difficult to tell a, a Tarzan film without having to deal with the whole white saviour stuff and, and that kind of stuff. And the problem yeah. is they keep making the same Tarzan movie. They keep making the first book which is, you know, Jane and so-and-so go to the jungle and they find Tarzan, they tell Tarzan's origin story and blah, blah, blah. They keep making that one. But there were like a dozen Tarzan books that went beyond that. Like Tarzan fought dinosaurs and he went, in, he fought in World War Two and fought the Japanese. in World. I thought, that's a film I want, a World War Two Tarzan movie that's like an inverse predator where Tarzan is the predator picking off these Japanese soldiers one at a time. Well, that's what I want. And there's the, and like there's Edgar Rice Burroughs who created Tarzan also created like the John Carter on Mars books and he did the Pellucidar series, which is 
the um, the Hollow Earth stories, yeah. the, you know, the, um, at the Earth's core and stuff like that. And, and like there's there's a, there's a novel where Tarzan where he does a crossover between these two kind of franchises and has Tarzan go to Pellucidar at the at the Earth's core. And I was like, you know, when the last Tarzan film came out. Legend of Tarzan, which I really enjoyed. But again, it's kind of basically doing Tarzan in Africa in the jungle thing. And I'm going, can we please have some fucking dinosaurs? <laughs> um, and I thought, would it be great? Can we have, a, if we have a sequel, can we please get him out of Africa and put him somewhere else? Mars or, you know, Pellucidar or something like that, you know? And I feel like I kind of got this because you've got, um, Alexander, is it Alexander Starsgard? Yes. Who played yeah. Tarzan in Legend of Tarzan. He's like the, <laughs> ostensibly the hero in this, but he does nothing. And I don't no, mind. He does very little. Uh, <laughs> and he, and he, you know, and they go to the hollow earth. They bring all that in, which is what I love. They, they kind of take all the kind of like the American kind of pulp sci-fi and fantasy and stuff like King Kong and in the, the Edgar Rice Burroughs stuff and then mash it together with like the, the Japanese kind of the kaiju. But also the mad, weird science fiction stuff that some of the later Godzilla movies have. Like you mentioned, just the weird, like the Mecha Godzilla and all that kind of stuff. And just mush them together and just go, just fill your boots with all this stuff. (laughs) So I'm like, as I'm there going, (laughs) cheering the fact that Alexander Starsgard, Tarzan essentially, is in the centre of the earth already. You know, it's like, yes! It's fucking, you know, there's all this kind of, and you're just thinking, yeah, it's just, I don't, I mean, I know that, yeah, you go on YouTube and you get something like 20 things that are stupid about Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I honestly, well, everything that's wrong, I, thought, I don't care. Yeah, there I was, I, there was care. like somebody, there was an article that I saw online and I was like, no, where it was like, you know, you know 20 reasons why none of it makes any sense. And I'm like, it doesn't need to make sense. And that's partly what I loved about the film is that it doesn't spend hours making up faux scientific jargon yeah. to try and convince you that a hollow earth actually exists. It's just like, look, we went through a portal. We're there. Deal with it, man. <laughs> like, right. we're embracing this ridiculousness, right? Yeah, there is a there is a hollow earth. Fucking deal with it. Yeah. And if you can't, just get out. This ain't the movie for you. Who was in the title, <laughs> right? This is this is not a sophisticated <laughs> film. Oh it's, God! It's called oh. Godzilla vs Kong for fuck's sake. If you yeah. if you're not ready for that, don't buy a ticket. Sit Honestly, I just like for me, it was everything that I wanted out of what the title of that film was. Because I was like, look, if we get to the end of this, because not to take it to like a, a much maligned uh, film franchise, but. My big comparison for this sort of thing is always the first Transformers movie, because I'll be honest, I didn't really watch any of the others. I tried for two, but I couldn't get through it. But, like, the thing I wanted from a Transformers movie was robots fighting robots yeah. over Energon, maybe. That'll that'll mm. do. That'll be the reason. That's fine. What I didn't want, and it wasn't necessarily that there were humans in it. That didn't bother me so much. What bothered me was that... The robots fighting half the time was overtaken by whatever the humans were doing. Yeah. So, and like a lot of the robot fights were like hidden behind things, so you couldn't see what was happening. <laughs> and like yeah. if you were to count how much of the time was robot fights, it was probably like half a percent of the movie. Yeah. And yeah. so like I came out of that and I was like, that wasn't a Transformers film. That was a film about magical glasses that happened to have a robot car in it <laughs> yeah like it was so disappointing to me whereas this it was like this film's called godzilla versus kong a large part of this movie is going to be a dinosaur punching a gorilla yeah 
Dago. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm I think they're, they're not hiding it from you. They're, they're, you know, you have to accept if you're going to go and see this, that's what you're going to go and see, right? Yeah. You know, there's no point going to see it and coming back going, oh, well, it, it was just a giant lizard punching a gorilla. Well, so, well yes, it is. That's what that's what yeah. you want. If, if it was like if if I went to see this and like it was you know about a bunch of people drinking tea, then I'd be annoyed because yeah. if, you know, or if they were you know Godzilla and and, and King Kong were playing chess, I'd be upset. <laughs> I, I want them yeah. slugging each other and fucking. I want you know and like for example, this is where where I'm at. When he when he finds that axe, when King Kong finds that axe, oh. and you think King Kong's got an axe. Yeah. This is amazing. <laughs> you know, oh God! Like, I'm if so... you don't think King Kong with an axe is better than just King Kong, <laughs> then then watch something else. I can't help you. I, I can't help you. Like it, yeah, it's like I saw there was a, like some some tweet that was doing the rounds where somebody was like, somebody please explain to me how the skull of a dead uh, titan can control a robot Godzilla, please. And I was like, no. We don't have to explain it to you because it's not real science, but it's fun to watch a robot dinosaur fight another dinosaur and a big gorilla with an axe. Yeah. Like, that's where the fun is in this movie, not in the minutiae of fucking fake science. Yeah. It's, 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 in the, it's in the bit where, I don't know, a gorilla grabs a big lizard's tail and swings him face first into a giant fucking skyscraper. That's where the fun is. <laughs> it's like, the fact that, you know, you know, again, spoilers, sorry, that, you know, that they they use like a spaceship thing to give King Kong <laughs> like an electric shock to restart his heart oh my God. and stuff like that. It's like yeah. this is what you, this is this is this is had me punching so me. Me too. So I would have been if I was in the cinema seeing this, people would have been so pissed off with me because I was fidgeting like I was like, Yes, this is so good. I was like so pumped when I it was like it was like the first time I saw Deadpool. I came mm. out of that film and I was like, That was so perfect. It was so good, I'm so excited, yeah. I wanna see it again, I wanna see it again now. And I was pretty much like that with Godzilla versus Kong. I was like, I don't think that movie put a foot wrong. Like it's not it's it's one of those films that I have happily given five stars on Letterboxd because for yeah. me it was a five star film. It, it I will accept you want it that it's not do. perfect. But yeah. Like I will accept that it's not, you know, fucking what's the highest bro film you can think of that everybody rates as like the best thing in the world. I can accept that it's not that. Yeah. But what I wanted out of this film was exactly this. Yeah. So to me it's it, it, it hit all the marks. Well Goodfellas doesn't have King Kong with a fucking axe. Yeah. You know? It does it with a rattle electric axe. (laughs) I don't think, you know, criticizing Godzilla versus Kong for not having like intellectual character depth and looking into the human condition is as bad as me criticizing Goodfellas for not having giant radioactive dinosaurs. You know, (laughs) it's like they're different films. You can't go, you know, it's different meals. You can't. Have steak and go. This doesn't taste anything like salmon. Yeah, you know? it's that I've always found this madness because, like Rich says, that I'm too frivolous with five star reviews on Letterbox. But mm. I'm like, no, I got five stars worth of enjoyment out of it though. Yeah, like, and that's that's where I'm at. Is like, if I for whatever for whatever reason get enough of a level of enjoyment out of a film, it'll get five stars from me. It doesn't yeah, have to like, be technically the best film yeah, or like, particularly for, well made. Or, for me, the difference is if there's, I mean, and everything's got flaws to it. It yeah. just has. It's just a case of did they bother me? Mm. Either did I notice them? Because I figure if if I realise oh the next day oh that didn't really make sense that that doesn't matter 
as long as not, it, it only matters why my ass is in that seat. Yeah. So, you know, if, if I didn't notice while I was watching it, it doesn't count. It's like sometimes I'll say I'll love a film and then some, some joyless fuck on Twitter will, will message me <laughs> and go, well, watch this red letter media review. And they tear it apart, and then you'll see that it's a shit film. Like, I, why would I want to do that? That's just stupid. Yeah. Why would I go and – I might as well just go and smack myself in the balls. You know, why would I want to go and see, you know, have – you know, in the great – you know, I've got – you know, we've got, we got 60, 70, 80 years on this earth, and I, you know, there's only so much you're going to enjoy. Why would I want to take a thing that I enjoy and then make it a thing I don't enjoy? It doesn't make sense. I'm enjoying yeah. it. I'm going to cling to it. And two – is if I if I spot the mistakes or spot plot holes and whatever, well, I'm, and, he, and I don't care, then they don't count. Yeah. You know? I mean, the, yeah. the stuff, you know, you know, we've all watched films where you go and, you know, the, the plot holes mount, you know, fucking oh, Joker, for example. Yeah. I, I was swearing <laughs> at the screen like two minutes into that. I was going to go, fuck off. I'll just, I'll just fuck off, you know, all the way through, right? Yeah. And I, I accept I'm in a minority because apparently it's Oscar worthy. Nah. But I, I thought it was tripe, and I thought it was tripe from the start, and I thought it was bad on its own terms, as well as just being a bad comic book adaptation. But anyway, but I, but yeah, but this stuff, I'll watch stuff, like, and I'll go, yeah, I can see that that doesn't really make sense. I can see that they kind of skipped over. Clearly, this, there's been like a scene cut there that mm. explains why this is now happening, when it, it, there's no reason. But clearly, there's something's been cut there then that doesn't join up with that particular one. And I just don't care because I'm having such a great ride, you know. It's it's like criticising a roller coaster because the seats aren't terribly comfortable, you know. Well, yeah. It doesn't matter. That's not why I'm there. It's yeah. Not, you know. Yeah, but, it's uh, like it's one of those things. I've, I was saying this to Rich the other day that I genuinely think, like, channels like whatever that YouTube channel is that does, like, everything that's wrong with X movie yeah. have, like, ruined, like, movie discourse. Yeah. Because they'll just point out like the most idiotic of things, and I'm like, if you are that bothered by this in every film you ever watch, you're not into films. Stop watching films. I, I just, you don't I like just, films. I just find them really annoying. I find <sighs> them. I think they're like leeches in that, like, you literally can't do anything creative yourself except criticize. That's all you can do. Is and it's easy to pick flaws because there's flaws in anything. And I think we, I think we've all had the experience of. What what is by all accounts a great film? Like I don't particularly like Scorsese. I don't enjoy Scorsese. I appreciate that he's a decent filmmaker. He just doesn't make films that I enjoy. So I can I can sit through a Scorsese film and pick the shit out of it all the way through and just go, well that's rubbish and that doesn't make sense and that guy's a dick and that guy's a dick and basically everybody's a dick and why should I be watching this film? There's no fucking you know giant gorilla with an axe. So why why am I even sitting through this? Mm. So but you know it it does it, you know you just 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 you know enjoy what you're going to enjoy. Do something yeah. creative and don't I just think... pick the shit out of stuff. There's no there's no yeah. talent or there's no skill in just picking the shit out of something. If you sit down anything, you could take any film in the world, your favourite film in the world, and sit down with the intent to pick everything wrong with it, and you'll find something. Oh, yeah. it's. I just find it maddening that this is potentially a stupid thing to say for somebody who has a podcast that's mostly about her own opinions. Um, <laughs> but I just think it's maddening how much stock people put in their own opinions of things as well. Mm-hmm. Like the Snyder Cut is the big thing for me recently that's really sort of ramped this up in my sort of mm-hmm. periphery is the fact that nobody can have an opinion on that now because there are so many other people ready to tear you apart for whichever yeah. side of the fence it's you fall so on. It's so polarised now. Yeah, and it's like, can't... why can't why can't anybody just say, oh, I didn't really like it? 
Yeah. Like, or, oh, thought it was great, loved it, way better than the other one. Like, I I fucking, I fucking loved it. I was, (laughs) well, I hated it. I mean, but, yeah, I, say I don't want. But that doesn't. Yeah. I don't want you to not enjoy. If anything, yeah. I really wanted to enjoy it. I wanted yeah. to watch it and be like, in your face, Joss Whedon, you prat. This yeah. film's way better. Unfortunately, I came out of it thinking, well, it was more coherent at least, and that was pretty much the only good thing I could say about it. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it because I, I, I just, I just went through it, just, like, and I'm not blind to mm. the stupidity of bits or the the illogic. Of stuff and that's you know, the thing. Yeah. If you were enjoying it, then yeah, I'm just, I'm just like, I'm just telling you, I don't care. Like, I realised that you know during the like the hostage scene where Wonder Woman defeats the bad guys and then blows up the fucking wall after the bad guys are <laughs> beaten, that makes no sense at all. Yeah, but I'm saying I don't care. Mm. I fucking whooped <laughs> when the when the when the, when the fucking floor exploded, where the wall exploded. I don't. I just don't care. I was just punching the air. I was literally, <laughs> I was literally sitting on the edge of the sofa, just going, "Yes, no, come on, no, fucking what? Yes, <laughs> go on, go on." All this kind of stuff, and like, no way, no, not John Jones, fucking no way, all the way through. <laughs> it was just, it was ridiculous. And it, it, it again, it was a good job I wasn't in the cinema because I'd have people <laughs> throwing popcorn at me. Uh, and just my mate goes, "Will you fucking shut up and sit back?" I'm going, oh, but I'm so excited. <laughs> it's fucking, it's, he turned back time, man. He turned back time. It's dark side. It's fucking dark side. So all that kind of stuff, you know. But yeah, so it's, it's, there you go. It's, it's like, I mean, I get, you know, look, you don't have to, you know, if you watch a film and you don't enjoy it, then you don't enjoy it. That's, it's the end of the argument, really, you know. But I just think, you know, this, this seems to be kind of an attitude of, you're not allowed to, like stuff that I don't like anymore. If yeah. I if I don't like it, then nobody should be able to like it. And yeah, if, if or, you like it, then you're an idiot. Or vice versa. There's a lot of people as well who are like, no, you've got to change your mind. This thing is good, and this is why you're wrong about yeah. it. Yeah. It's like, or different strokes for different folks. And I, I, just I, I generally, <laughs> I, I would rather have somebody. If I don't like something, I'd rather have somebody come at me and tell me why it's good than have them than me saying I like something and come in and somebody come at me and tell me why it's rubbish. Yeah. I'd, ra- I'd rather I- have somebody be passionate about something and enjoy something and try and convince me and show because I want to I want to enjoy everything basically. Me too. I don't you know, want to dislike things. That's same, not I, like I what a I waste of my time that see, would be. <laughs> yeah, I didn't go to see Joker assuming I would hate it. Yeah, same. I, 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 I thought it was going to be great. Because I thought the trailer looked shit, so I thought, no, I'm not going to watch that. But then there was such an overwhelming tsunami of plaudits. You just think, well, clearly I'm I'm going to be wrong here. Clearly, this I'm, is a I'm bad I'm going to go and see this and come out of it and just go, I'm a fucking idiot. That was amazing. I was wrong, and I will do that because I've, I've, you know, I've done that. I go, no, I wasn't expecting anything of this, and it was and it was good fun. It was brilliant or whatever. Uh, but it's, but it's, yeah, but it, yeah, you, I I want to enjoy everything. I won't go. So I what I. I, what bores my piss more than anything, I think, is people who have stated, I don't want to see this, whether it's Godzilla or Justice League or anything. And it, or me going, hey, there's a new Scorsese movie out. I'm going to watch that the first fucking hour it drops on <laughs> Netflix. Just so I can bitch about it. You know, it's like, yeah, I don't, you know, I, I realize now I don't really dig Scorsese. I could, I, I'd watch the commentaries because I think he's a really interesting guy to listen to. Yeah. But he doesn't make films that that communicate. Yeah, they're not for me either. <laughs> they, they they just don't. He's, okay, we're just on the wrong 
Yeah, I'm wrong. What he what what he wants to make isn't what I want to see. That's fine. Yeah, but but I but I won't then just leap at every fucking Scorsese film that comes out just so I can live tweet how shit I think it is. Mm. You know, it's yeah. like uh, it's like again, this is a bit of a segue, I guess. Like we're, we're, we're with and it's 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 a it's a weird thing that's happening now. With it happened with One Division, it's happening again now with Falcon and Winter Soldier. He's I keep seeing people on Twitter. Normal, well-adjusted people who I respect <laughs> slag it off, slag both of them off, but they'll be the first one to watch it on Friday morning just to yeah. say they're not in tune. And then, yeah. you know, I'm like, just you didn't. Why are you watching this one when you? And then they'll they'll, they'll slag off. They they slagged off One Division at the start. Clear. I mean, obviously, we won't go into that because me and you have had a lot of conversations yeah. about uh, how amazing One Division is. You just don't get it. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sure I deliberately not understanding what the, what it was about at first. Why is it a sitcom? This is ridiculous. It's not a fucking sitcom. <laughs> so, um, who was who was slagging off one division, <laughs> saying this is too weird. This isn't what we want from a Marvel thing. And then come the end, they're going, "Well, that was amazing. That was revolutionary. That was brilliant." And then Falcon and Winter Soldier comes out. Well, this is boring. This isn't like one division at oh. all. This is really conventional. <laughs> going. I'm going to find your tweets and throw them in your face. Honestly, the, the number of people that I've seen saying that they find it like, oh, it's intensely boring, it's so generic. But these are the same people who in the same breath will go, but Captain America Winter Soldier's the best movie in the MCU, and I'll mm. tell you for why. Mate, this is so on that wavelength. You can't enjoy yeah. Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and not enjoy this. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's like, shit, that's what I kind of thought. If you're enjoying that, then you must be enjoying this. Yeah. It, it seems to be, I think, because what they've done with both of these series, I think, have we officially segued on two? I think we have. Something? I think we have, yeah. Um, and I think, what, to be fair, like nearly 40 minutes on the giant gorilla with an axe was probably enough. <laughs> Let me judge. Um, <laughs> I've lost my thought. Yeah, it's like, um, what was I saying? oh yeah, I think what they, what Marvel have done with these two shows is they've, with both shows, they've really caught people off guard about what they were expected and what they were given. Yeah. So when when uh, One Division came out, it threw everybody because well this isn't like anything we've seen so far. I don't understand what the you know this is this is weird. There's there's no superheroes in it. It's kind of like a black and white sitcom, and it didn't give you the full explanation straight away. It let you watch it for three weeks before there was even you know with just tiny little hints of clearly stuff was going on. It you know behind you know, there, there was a bigger story. The you know well like people who were just assuming that. Assuming it was literally a sitcom. I'm like, are you not seeing the bits at the end with the guy who's watching them on a monitor? Are you, are you not spotting those? And then I thought, well, yeah, because I realized a lot of people weren't actually watching it. They were listening to it while they were working because they were working from mm-hmm. home. They weren't actually watching it. They were just listening to it. I thought, well, that's not, that's your fault. That's, you know, that's not your. So, and like, and again, with Falcon and Winter Soldier, what looked from the trailers, to be a fun kind of retro 80s lethal weapon buddy cop superhero thing, kind of mindless but fun, isn't that mm. at all. And it's suddenly thrown up like a whole other layer of, uh, particularly with episode five, this, this whole, with the whole story about Isaiah, um, that like the, the, you know, the previous, like the, the the previous Captain America, or the prototype Captain America, and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. A whole other like commentary about racism and um, 
and prejudice and like and 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 the double standards and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that people weren't ready for. I don't think it was like, well, no, this is supposed to be fun and and dumb. Um, and like like I see people complaining and like websites like complaining that um that the flag smashers aren't a terribly credible threat, not very villainous, and um. Um, um, and what's his name? The, the, I've gone blank on his name. Uh, Baron, what's his thingy? Seymour. Yeah. Um, he isn't, isn't particularly villainous. Yeah. Uh, and all this kind of stuff. I'm going, that is entirely the point. The whole point of this show is that it's all shades of grey throughout. Yeah. That it's about, you know, the, the, the reason, you know, that the flag smashes, they're, they're not like a boo hiss red skull villain. That they're there with a kind of that you know if you listen to what they're saying, there's kind of a logic to it and a sense to it. It's their kind of their methods, how they're dealing with it, are flawed. Their kind of goals are kind of justifiable. They're understandable. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is. I was talking briefly again. This was like on an episode of Stacey and Barry in the morning. I was talking with Barry about um at the time we'd only seen up to episode four when we recorded um mm. and. Just to point out to people, as we record this, it's literally a day before the final episode comes out. So <laughs> there are reasons we are not talking about the finale. <laughs> but like I was talking then about the fact that one of the villains that I've really liked in the Marvel Cinematic Universe was Killmonger. And it was mm. because his motivations were actually kind of sensible. He was just going about it a bit ass backwards. And yeah. I think that's a bit why I like Thanos as well, because he's reasoning for what he's doing like the idea of getting more resources for people and sorting out do you know it's it, it i'm not a thanos was right kind of gal but no. i do think you know he was trying to address actual issues he was just doing it in a villainous manner yeah. and those are the villains that i drift more towards than the ones who are just like wow i guess i'm just evil and i'll shoot a guy and do a thing like because I think it's more interesting when you can empathise a bit with the villain and you can see why yeah, they're I, going down the road that they're going down. And with yeah, the Flag Smashers, I, I think, although I think it was a bit unclear in the first couple of episodes exactly yeah. what they were after, because and it still is to an extent, because they keep saying they want to go back to what it was like during the blip, but unless you want to kill off the population, you literally can't do that. So mm. I don't know what exactly their aim is, but like the idea that what, what they're after is, you know, fairness for refugees and all like i think they even said in one episode you know we're not refugees these were our houses and our lives and our, this was our money five years yeah. ago we but and we haven't even been gone really like for us it's been like five minutes <laughs> um yeah. so it's there are much more interest like you say it's so much more the shades of gray yeah. Um, and I like that because it's much more realistic because, like, I don't go to superhero movies for realism, obviously. Yeah. But I think these TV shows have given Marvel a really great vehicle for looking at certain um, topics in a much closer way than they could ever have done in a film with more nuance to them as well. Like, I don't yeah. think we would ever have got a, a One Division type film about Wanda's insane grief. I don't think we would ever have got that. Because yeah. I don't think it would really have done very well at the cinema either. Yeah. Um, and I don't think for a second, this is a little bit problematic in and of itself, but I don't think for a second they would ever do a mainstream Marvel movie about race in no. that way. Um, so it's been, that, that's, that's been why I've been enjoying this more than anything. Because in fact, if you'd have asked me, 
before these shows got sort of announced, you know, which characters in the Marvel universe, you know, would you have liked to have seen more of? I probably would never have picked, I would never have picked Winter Soldier. And I probably would have said Falcon. I know, like, for example, and I don't want to pick on him because he's a lovely guy. Jamie Smart, before Falcon and Winter Soldier started, Jamie Smart tweeted saying, oh, I think it was just after the first episode, maybe he said, I don't like these characters. Is it worth me tuning in for this? Yeah. And my reply to him was, well, how did you feel about Wonder and Vision before WandaVision? Because I didn't have any particular feelings to them either. Well, they didn't really get much. Exactly. They don't get screen time. This this is where you learn to like these characters. This is where they get, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier were both support players. They were, it was Captain America's movies they were in. They were just support players. And like say with Wonder and Vision, they were support players in the Avengers. They weren't the big guys, the main guys. They were, you know, later additions. They were like the support. So this is where they get their spotlight and this is where you get to learn about those those characters. And that's what's good about it, I think, that you can get these 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 smaller stories. Because one of the things I'm really excited about and really enjoying about um the particular wealth of like superhero movies we're getting now is that there is room now for different stuff. So they don't all have to... I mean, until like 10 years ago, I guess, every fucking superhero movie was basically an origin movie. That's yeah. all you got. It was either the origin of the, the hero or the origin of the villain for that movie. You know, it was like, that's it. We're just getting origin movies. Now we're, we, you know, as we're, we're getting towards more like comic book stuff where you get rid of the origin quick and then then you've got the actual story, the actual thing about the villain and what his plot is and what his scheme is and what kind of twists those stories are going to make. Or you've got the stuff about, okay, now you've got this guy with this superhero with powers, but how's that going to affect his, his private life? How's that going to affect his family and stuff? And, you know, is that going to put his family in jeopardy or how, how's he going to manage? Aren't they going to wonder where he is every night when he's out, you know, running across the rooftops or whatever? There's room for, to deal with this stuff. So, and one of the things I've been kind of been, hoping for and i think they're doing it in the tvs instead of doing it as movies is kind of like the smaller stories that don't have to be that sort of the kind of like the formula that it's it's the big the world threatening issue every movie there's got to be the big story you kind of want you know you want room for the ones that are kind of like a more intimate story or a day in the life type thing or like you'll get in comics you'll get like a one-off issue that's just about you know what you know the Teen Titans do on a weekend when there's no shit going down. You know mm. how do they deal with you know their their problems with their parents or their romantic problems and stuff like that? Now you, you're not going to get that in movies. They're not you know there's not enough justification to do a two hour or an hour and a half of that kind of a story to go yeah. on the cinema when there's there's big stories. They're going to be competing with big stories, but there's there's room for that on on uh, on TV that we can. So Palmy almost wishes we could have like a little sitcom that's just about, you know, something that, you know, ambush bug or, or, or something like that, like a, like a goofy little character, something like that, you know, yeah. the, you know, there's, there's room for different types of thing. And, but, it, but I think, yeah, I mean, I, I dearly, dearly want now an Isaiah Bradley miniseries or a oh, movie, a deep nice. dive into that story. I'm desperate for that now. I reread because he, he first appeared in a graphic novel called, uh, Truth, mm-hmm. um, Red, White and Black from about 2003, 2004, something like that. 
Yeah. Now, I remember reading it when it came out, and it caused a big kerfuffle when it came out because it was seen as rewriting, you know, Captain America history, whereas he was supposed to be the first. And then this story came out going, oh, no, do we have all these prototypes that came out first, all these uh, black soldiers were like prototypes. So he, you know, Steve Rogers wasn't the first. And I think what happened was it was originally written to be a standalone outside of continuity type story, like a, like an alternative history yeah. type deal where it, where it said, well, wouldn't, you know, what would have happened if instead of going to the regular army and, and, you know, and picking Steve Rogers, they instead did what has happened in real life. And instead they went and experimented on, black people instead uh they uh, deliberately referencing the tuskegee experiments that happened yeah. in the uh, well in 1932 uh, they they uh they experimented on 300 i want to say sharecroppers impoverished black sharecroppers in tuskegee and basically told them they'd be taking part in a kind of health study uh, and they would get free health care and they lied. And what they did was they basically test, you know, studied them to see how syphilis developed untreated. And it was originally supposed to be a six month program and it ran for 40 years. And it only ended in 1972, it ran from 32 to 72. And it only ended in 72 when somebody blew the whistle on it and reported it in the paper. So it would have carried on. And it's just horrific, just absolutely horrific abuse of human rights. But they te- but what they did was Marvel went, well, we, we, I wanted, I think it was Alex Alonso was the editor who came up with the idea and said, I want to take this and kind of have a look at this and say, what would, you know, in the Marvel universe, this would be kind of like the super soldier serum type deal. And what would happen if that instead of going to the regular army, they went to like a black battalion and they, they tested on all these black soldiers. Now, originally it was supposed to, like I say, it was supposed to be a self-contained outside of continuity story, kind of like Watchmen or something like that that's in its own bubble. But in, in, within about two issues in, after two issues completed, there was an editorial decision to make it part of the mainstream Marvel Universe, and it didn't hold together. The, the dots didn't connect. So, for example, uh, Truth starts um, with Pearl Harbor. And so then after that is where you're introduced to the characters, they join the army, and then you see them being experimented on after yeah. Pearl Harbor. And it was supposed to be, they're supposed to be before Steve Rogers. But in the actual, you know, in the mainstream, um, Marvel continuity, Steve Rogers became Captain America before Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Which, which I know it's a nerdy kind of continuity detail, but that's the kind of nerd I am. These mm-hmm. things are important. You know, so that the dots didn't match up. Once you tried to put that in the mainstream universe, it didn't, it didn't line up. It didn't make sense. And and on a story level, it doesn't make sense to have, well, it, it, it's called Doc, Dr. Erskine now. He had a different uh, Kriegstein or something at the time. Yeah. Uh, the doctor who experimented on uh, Steve Rogers, who was killed, still be around <laughs> a year later yeah. to be in this. It didn't, you know, the, the continuity didn't add up. So it was just very confusing. So it was, but it, what it did, and although the, the, the it's a really interesting book to read, it's not entirely successful on its own terms because of that. I think that kind of interference, the, the dots don't line up and it doesn't have the impact it, it should have, but it planted seeds that were, that were sorted later on. It paid dividends later on when it kind of like the repercussions of that became part of the, the history and the wider mythology of Captain America. So, uh, Isaiah's grandson, I hope this isn't a spoiler for, for future Marvel series, but becomes a character called Patriot who's one of the Young Avengers, 
a team called the Young Avengers and stuff like that, and that goes out and like so it, it kind of it kind of becomes a, a much more ingrained thing and becomes a more it brings more after after the book came out it, it brought more than it actually did within the book itself. Uh, the book's kind of flawed, and I get the feeling when I was rereading it the other day that like about halfway through they did a kind of soft reboot on it because yeah. it, it runs like seven issues, which is a funny length yeah, for, a, for a miniseries. They're either four, six, ten, or twelve. Seven's yeah. a weird number. So it was almost like it was supposed to run ten or twelve, and they went, no, the fans aren't digging this, you need to wrap it up, because you've got like f- uh, uh, five issues that's, that are very decompressed and very slow, and there's a lot of, you know, lots of big panels and a lot of, lot of incidental storytelling and stuff like that. It takes it, you know, they're very quick reads. And then the last two issues are really dense and just chock a block of exposition. And it's just pages and pages of speech bubbles where the previous five issues are very light on that. So I, I, I don't know, but I get the feeling like something went on after the first five issues came out and they either went, no, you're not getting the next five. You're going to have to wrap it up in two or something. But yeah, but it does. What, I, what I'd like to see, and I think they straightened out as, you know, Marvel Universe gets rewritten over the over the years. I think they sort of straightened out the continuity issues and you know ironed it out. But I would, I I was so excited in was it episode two when they first introduced Isaiah. So, yeah. There was a very brief scene with Isaiah, and yeah. I was like, oh my god, that's that's Isaiah Bradley. <laughs> I can't believe they're actually doing this because this is an in, an incredible bit of Marvel history to actually put a spotlight on because because this is a very uncomfortable story if they're going to go and do this yeah and it did prove out i mean this episode five was just an amazing <sighs> for such a quiet episode yeah. basically there was no real you know action and stuff in it it was just a real kind of almost like a filler episode but it's so well done it carried it rather than action and plot it carried so much emotional weight mm-hmm. in that episode and did so much work character wise and emotion wise in there but i would i would love to see them go and actually do a miniseries or a movie i can't see it as a cinema movie i just don't know yeah. or maybe maybe since black panther maybe now maybe disney and, and marvel are kind of in that position where they they feel they can do that it'd be pretty amazing if they did um, i think this is this is one of the things that i've been talking to rich about in that i wonder about how how much of an impact this will have on the actual cinematic universe because this might sound like a ridiculous thing to say but there are going to be people who can't afford a Disney Plus uh, yeah. subscription who are not going to be seeing any of this. And episode five, because I had no idea who Isaiah Bradley was. I've never read that comic. I've never even heard yeah. of it before this week. Yeah. Um, so when that episode happened, and it is genuinely one of the most powerful things to happen in like the entire MCU, I think, yeah. I just wonder about how they're going to tie that into the next time that Falcon appears in a movie. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they, they set up the end of episode five where it looks like it looks like Sam's going to take on the Captain America mantle, yeah. hopefully in his own Falcon-esque kind of way, because I would yeah. kind of hate for him to lose his his Wings. sort of own legacy. Yeah, yeah. you know, because it, it's one of those things where it's like, yes, it's very powerful to see a black Captain America, but it's also very powerful that a black superhero was doing his own thing. Yeah, if that because, makes any sort of sense. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Because I mean, obviously, the, the again, I don't want to you know refer to the comics too much, but it, obviously, you know, Sam being Captain America was in the comic. Yeah, but it came at a time 
where Marvel was basically changing everybody. So Thor became a woman. The Hulk became Chinese. Um, you know, Captain America was black and all this kind of, and it was just like, the, you was he like a werewolf at one point as well? <laughs> yeah. Captain America became a werewolf at one point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and this was on the back of Captain America being just having died, yeah. and and then came back, and then he got sent to another dimension for a bit, and then he came back, and it was like, can we just have some Captain America comics, please? please. And then he gave up being Captain America, and he became the head of Shield. All oh, anyway, it was just like this. Just feels like I don't want to say tokenism, but it feels like it hasn't been earned, you know. And I'm a Falcon fan from way back. Like I was, I I was a Falcon fan. I was never a fan of Captain America, but I had a shit ton of Captain America and Falcon comics when I was a kid. And I really dug Falcon. You know, I, I'd buy, you know, I'd, I'd buy comics because Falcon was in it, not Captain America. So, and, and, and I was really kind of annoyed. And I get, yeah, I do. I totally get that having a black Captain America is an important thing and sends an important message and all that stuff. It's, it's, that, that kind of has its own weight but i also this part of me that goes yeah but he was a good enough character on his own yeah you know he's got his own worth already he doesn't have to become you know putting you know steve rogers boots on to be to gain worth he was he was a cool character anyway he was an interesting character in his own right and i'm again and i'm not even against the the you know the concept of a, of a black captain america again taking it back to like uh isaiah bradley like i would really have loved patriot to be to graduate to be Captain America. That would have made sense to me for him to yeah. for him to graduate that way and kind of take the mantle that his granddad had and all that kind of stuff. That would, but anyway, I'm yeah. drifting and getting a bit nerdy. <laughs> Whereas in the TV series, because of this, we've seen all this that he's going through and the whole stuff with uh, Wyatt Russell's character. I can't, you know, the new John Captain Walker. America. That whole that kind of, and how good is that as well? By the way, oh mate, so like, are we in episode? The, the end of episode four, when he is standing there and the camera is sort of like at his feet looking up at him and the bottom half of Captain America's mm. shield is covered in blood, I was like, I cannot believe they went there. And I literally even, cannot believe they went there. Yeah, it's not even like a subtle little splatter. It's not even no. like a drip, like a, like a watchman drip. It's like yeah. half the fucking shield's covered in gore. Yeah. And it's like, and the thing that, the thing that got me about it as well, and this is going back to the sort of like, in inverted quotes, you know, like realism of it, is that after episode four, like me and Rich were chatting about it, and I said, like, he's, he's not going to go to jail. Like, they they won't let him be Captain America anymore, but he's not going to go to jail because he's a white guy and he's like a soldier, and so they just, they just won't. And like, because we live in a world where, you know, earlier this week we had the results of the Derek Chauvin, um, George Floyd case, and people were surprised that he was found guilty on all charges. We live in a world where a man was videoed from several angles murdering another man, and we all thought maybe get away with it still. We all assumed he was going to get away with it. That is the land that we live in. So we're all braced for it, you know? So for them to, for them to, like, for them to not only touch on, I mean, they're not even touching on it, they're full-blown addressing, like, race in terms of what happened to Isaiah and, you know, what Sam's going through in the sense of why he didn't feel like he he wanted or needed the shield straight away or what have you. Like, not only are they doing that, but they're also addressing the other side, the privilege side of the coin. Yeah. So they're also, I mean, that sequence, I mean, 
I don't think I've ever seen Wyatt Russell in anything before. And I wasn't that sold on him in the first couple of episodes because mm. I thought, like, he's fine. He's just like, he's, he's doing a fine job. But when he's standing at the podium and he's slamming his fist down and he's yelling at them, like, I did what you trained me to do. I yeah. have always done what you have trained me to do. Like, I have always followed all of your mandates and this is the thanks that I get. You're stripping me of my Captain America, you know, yeah. symbol like what what actually but then he walks out and he just goes on a bed he's like yeah and you're watching going why aren't they calling him back why are they going get back here arrested. we're not finished with you and all this but no he just, they just let him go oh and then God. of course then you've got the again the, the isaiah bradley thing where you find out that he was put in prison for going for doing exactly of, what captain what, exactly did what captain america did in, in first avenger you know and i'm like my god this is this is why you know this this is one of the, the things that the marvel mcu is doing so well this kind of long form they're embracing the comic style so well that the, the stuff we we've seen stuff there resonate from 10 years ago yeah you, know? <laughs> you know there's there's bits coming in from like yeah literally they're, they're referring to stuff from 10 years ago and it's almost like again to put it on a more kind of goofy level it, this is this is the fun of comic you know this is this is where this is the nerdiness of comics where you get people on me going yes but you know you can almost see like there's one of those old little you know credit boxes popping up you know with an asterisk saying see Captain America First Avenger you know Love all that it. kind of thing go yes I've got that issue I've got that on my I've got that DVD I've seen that film I get that reference I know what that refers to and my God look at those parallels you know. Yeah. And, I mean, I, think- I will. I'm gonna like just to sorry to just take it slightly off topic at this point. I am gonna point out that earlier today I did listen to an episode of Geek Syndicate with Barry yeah. and Dave where they talked about episode five quite a lot, and it it probably sounds to anybody who's also heard that episode like I'm stealing everything that they thought, <laughs> but. It just so happens that we happen to have the same thoughts. And if you want to hear them put more eloquently and with much more uh, sort of personal experience behind it, I would highly recommend going to listen yeah. to that episode of Geek Syndicate because it's very um, powerful. It's, yeah, it's a <laughs> really good episode. And I was yeah. <laughs> I, I was texting you going, oh, my God. They're stealing they're, all my points. They're, they're all my notes. They're, they're covering all the points that I've got in my notes. Yeah. This is, I mean, this is, it's like you say, this is what... Like, to me, this is as close as it's been to... Do you, like, were you ever part of, like, the comics forums back in the Comic Geek Speak days? Yeah, briefly, I think. Yeah, because, like, for me, back in, like, 2000, sort of 6, 7-ish, I spent a lot of my time on there because I was a sad loser with not many friends. Mm. Um, And I listened to a lot of podcasts and I read a lot, I was reading a lot of comics. And so, like... Especially with like COVID and not being able to see people very much and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like having something that's coming out weekly that we can all get together on like WhatsApp or on, you know, Facebook Messenger or, you know, not, not on Twitter because I'm not a cunt. Stop spoiling (laughs) things on Twitter, you massive bells. Like it's, it's, it's as close as it's getting to me to like hanging out on the forums and geeking out about the latest issue of whatever because it's yeah. so like, like you say, it's so ingrained in all that. Oh my God, do you remember that thing from back then? And look at how it's bringing in that thing from now. And, and like yeah. if you're nerdier than I am, which most people are, there's also characters, new characters popping up who I hadn't even got a fucking clue. I was just excited that Julia Louis Dreyfus was yeah, in it. Yeah, Julia Louis Dreyfus popped up in it. And oh, she went, I, I, I love yeah, her so I, much. Uh, with, with the name Val Valentina, what's it? And I went, oh no, holy shit, I know her. <laughs> I can't believe See, they're bringing this character. 
And it's like they're doing such a deep dive into because absolutely like again from the trailers, we're like, oh yeah, it, we know what we're getting. It's going to be a light, goofy, lethal yeah, weapon, yeah, just you know, superhero. Be, yeah, it's not going to do anything, you know, particularly groovy. I don't see where it's going to go, but I think it's going to be a fun ride. And now they're going. No, we're really just doing a deep dive into the Captain America mythology and all the stuff around there, like the flags. Whoever thought we'd see the flag smashers? Yeah. You know. Uh, just the whole thing is just because I like I was saying I wasn't really anticipating liking this very much because I was intrigued by the idea of WandaVision beforehand because I'd read um I haven't read an awful lot of like Wanda related stuff but I did read you know the issues of um the vision did you ever read that one it was from a couple of years ago I think now I say a couple of years ago my sense of time is mad it could have been like 2000 yep the ones that like the, like the sitcom with the synth Americana. kids and stuff yeah that, yeah, I think that was yeah. 10 years ago because I was thinking, yeah, I oh, missed that. That was a couple of years ago. I was seeing so, so <laughs> get those issues. And it's oh, like, from like 2009 or 2010. Oh, shit. Well, like, yeah, so I'd read those and I mm. remember thinking, oh, I wonder if they're going to do like weird shit like that. So I was quite intrigued by that. Whereas this one, I was very much thinking because Captain America used to be my favourite comics character, but I mm. really wasn't, I wasn't that keen on the first Avenger. And I sort no, of preferred. No, and I sort of preferred Steve when he was with other people, so I liked him a lot more in the Avengers like movies or like the big yeah. ensemble sort of movies. And like Civil War did my nutty, and I thought that was ugh. anyway. Um, <laughs> that's a podcast for another day. Um, I'm ending this right now. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> like, so I had sort of drifted away from like his sort of mythology, and I drifted away from it in the comics too. After like after they after they killed him, and then he was. Then he was back, and then he was lost, and then he was someone else. And I was just like, yeah. do you know what? No. And then he was evil. Don't forget. <laughs> yeah, that. I was just like, do you know what? It's too nah. I just I'll just move on to something else. So like, yeah, when it was like, oh, it's going to be Falcon and Winter Soldier, I was like, oh, this is you know, I don't really care for Winter Soldier, and I don't because the problem is, is with Winter Soldier, they haven't really done a lot with him in the movies in regards to how actually fucked up his life has been. No, like. And, I, and that's another thing that I've really liked about this show is that it's it's gone a, a lot deeper into like that sequence. I can't remember if it was the end, at the start of episode four or five where it's showing you um, him in Wakanda and they're trying they're testing out whether they've oh, successfully yeah. deprogrammed him from his Winter yeah. Soldieriness and he bursts into tears and I was like I can't cope with this. Yeah. It's too much. It's that was too such much. a good. Who was God. expecting something like that from this? You know what I mean? Not at all. <laughs> I was expecting I was expecting a superhero romp Lee. Yeah, I was expecting like the A team or something like that, you know. Really hard castle McCormick, something goofy and eighties themed, you know. But it was it was like God, I wasn't expecting like the feels through this. Well I mean that you know, and it was the same with One Division because as much as like, you know, there was a lot of comedy in the especially the first few episodes, um and I was absolutely loving everything about Paul Bettany in it. I thought it was so mm. funny. But, like, by the end of it, I mean, I was almost in tears mm. when she's having to give up her entire fucking family again. Yeah. I was just like, it's, what are again, we doing to her? <laughs> it's, it's just so, it's so nice. Again, again, me being me, I get really upset when they can't, when, like, TV and movie adap- adaptations kind of piss on the comics and sort of go, well, you know, we're going to do our own thing. So it's like doubly kind of awesome to me when you see stuff where you can see that they've gone, there's some really good stuff here. 
we really want to get this in there. So the stuff about like the kids and that kind of stuff and that it's like, yeah, this this is what the comics did. You know, it's like, no, they they really want to get this stuff in there. They're going, no, we know this is cool and we want to bring it to a wider audience and show everybody else how cool it is, you know, and we're going to do it in a different order, perhaps. And we're going to do it in a slightly different way. And, you know, but, you know, this is, this is, you know, we're doing this. This is the mythology and we're going to use this. You know, we've got all these toys we can play with that have been like 75 years or whatever it is, of, you know, of, of comics. These, these, you know, these talented artists and writers have done and we can cherry pick from this to create the best TV shows we can, which is one of the things that I found so frustrating about a lot of the Netflix Marvel shows after, you know, Woods Daredevil came and went that they kind of didn't play around with stuff. They kind of gone, okay, we've, we're going to introduce one new element in this season of whatever, and we're going to save it until the last episodes. And before then, we're going to have a lot of people talking in rooms. <laughs> and it's like, you're a fucking Iron Fist martial arts character, and you're doing all this boardroom shit or yeah. whatever. You know, it's like, oh, why are you saving up? I mean, even Daredevil, which I think was the strongest of the Netflix shows, they kind of, the season, did it run three? Season three, wasn't it? Where they kind of spent the whole season building up Bullseye to have him debut at the end and go, oh, we'll save him for next season. And there wasn't a next season. You go, yeah. just use everything. Just, you know. I had, a, I had a really, really weird relationship with those shows because I adored the first season of Daredevil and I adored the first season of Jessica Jones. Mm. I've basically not watched anything else. <laughs> like yeah, I, I tried I, watching season two of Daredevil and I just couldn't take to Electra. Yeah. I was just like, I just don't care. They, they, um, they fuck her up at the start. Yeah, uh, they kind of. The, about halfway through, they kind of fix fix her, and it, it gets past what they wanted to do. I think their problem with that was because they'd got Daredevil with his origin, where his dad dies and so on, and then they were introducing the Punisher, where he becomes what he is because of his family dying, yeah. and then they were introducing Electra, who basically becomes who she is in the comics because her dad dies and they thought we've basically got three identical origins here <laughs> and yeah basically they thought well we're gonna have to change electra and they got rid of her origin and basically they had no character there yeah until about halfway through when they, when the origin didn't matter and she just became this like kick-ass assassin type character but yeah but it was like it's that kind of thing of just just play with everything. You've got all these toys, you know. You've got you've got twelve or thirteen episodes. You should be doing something cool with every single one of these episodes. Yeah. You know. I mean, yeah. th- three seasons they fanned around with um, the gladiator character. I don't know if you know the gladiator. He's like a daredevil villain. He's got like buzzsaw no. blades on his wrists. Oh. And and he's the and basically in his in his like real life he's the he's i can't remember his name there but he's like the guy who makes daredevil suit so right. he, he pops up a little bit through through the three seasons he keeps popping up oh gosh i can't remember his name but he, he's he, he's um like i say he pops up every and again like makes daredevil suit and then he, he he's, his girlfriends get kidnapped and stuff like that as well and you're thinking here he is and you're waiting for him to do you know when's he going to become the gladiator and they do all these little hints, like he's got like a circular saw in in his workshop. I don't know why a, a, a tailor would have a circular saw. In his <laughs> he's got his circular saw in his workshop, and all. And you think, ah, oh, look, there's the circular, there's the blades, there's the blades, you know. And then they don't do it, and you think he should have been in there from the start, you know. Why are you fannying around? But um, 
Yeah, sorry. I don't know why I'm ranting about Netflix. That's shows. okay. <laughs> if, uh, I wanted I wanted to go on a bit of a tangent anyway, because as much as I could probably talk about Vulcan and Winter Soldier for another good hour, um, so I feel like it's probably best I just don't do that <laughs> and, uh, and roll on. And I'm interested to know whether you've seen the Shang-Chi trailer or not. I have seen the Shang-Chi trailer. And I'm very excited for it. I am very intrigued because here's the thing. I have not watched an awful lot of like sort of martial artsy, mm. um, you know, those style of films. Yeah. But the, the reason the trailer intrigues me is because if you'd have put that in front of me and nobody had said the word Shang-Chi, I would never have guessed that was a Marvel movie. Yeah. Yeah. In a million, in a month of Sundays, like it looks so much like a sort of kick-ass martial arts flying around madness like yeah fun time that i was just like what what <laughs> again like this is what i was saying about like that you know we're actually getting to see like the breadth of the kind of the marvel universe now i mean we had the like with doctor strange we got to see like the weird out there magical stuff that was completely different to but because it most of most of the films we've had have basically been science-based yeah. you know iron man and ant-man and so on you know you had thought that was kind of like mythology based but basically they're kind of sciencey based they tried to science that up as well anyway, didn't they, with um, Natalie Portman's character doing all the yeah. science on it. <laughs> yeah. She did a science all over it. She, yeah, she was sciencing all over that thing. So, But, but it is it's nice to see that we can – you know, we're in a position now where we can hit these kind of – I mean, I am such a – I am a sucker for the C-list characters. Like, yeah. you know, if you – you know, if I had to list, like, my top ten favourite – Marvel characters. Spider-Man would be number one because he's everybody's kind of number one. Yeah. And then I'm t- and then I'll be talking about stuff like you know um, Jack of Hearts, the Torpedo, Scott Lang, <laughs> Ant Man, yeah, and, and Shang Chi, Black Panther. Now, and the thing is, Ant Man was a Z-list character until the movie came out. Black yeah. Panther was kind of like an unknown character until the movie came out. Yeah, and it's like, oh my god, they're actually bringing all my favorite characters. So we got like Shang Chi, Black Widow, and all. The- so yeah, it's 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 nice to see Shang Chi, which is the way I describe the old Master of Kung Fu movies uh, comics is basically what if Bruce Lee was James Bond <laughs> and his dad was Fu Manchu. Right. right? Yeah. And it's like if that doesn't hook you, <laughs> then I don't know who you are, you know? Yeah. I mean, Bruce Lee is James Bond. He's just like... That's already a great idea. It, yeah. it, it already works, you know? And then you just throw <laughs> in the hole, and then his dad is Fu Manchu. Because, and what it was, they got the rights, because obviously Fu Manchu is like a literary character who pre-exists, and then it's like a golden age, dodgy racist, yellow menace villain. But he's a good villain on his own right, if you, if you take away the racism. Mm-hmm. So... And so Marvel acquired the rights to Fu Manchu, and I went to do like a Fu Manchu comic. But why do we do a Fu Manchu comic in the Marvel style? Well, we'll make his son a superhero. So, and he's not really a superhero; he's just a martial artist. But he's, he's cool. So they did that, and then they so and they you think it just shows you how kind of like Marvel worked in the seventies. Mm. <laughs> they didn't give any any thought to the fact that hey, at some point we're going to lose the rights to this, and we're not going to be able to reprint these these comics because the reprints didn't really happen back then. So yeah, so it's it's really quite interesting that they got this kind of like it's like because you you'd think like oh well you know martial arts a Bruce Lee character it's just going to be you know punching up in the streets and all that kind of stuff you know yeah but it's but it's not it's like James Bond it's espionage shit and bases in volcanoes and, uh, and all that kind of stuff it's 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 wild 
I am very intrigued. I am. I'm just realising how much we've been waffling. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely been a waffle o'clock. Was there Was there anything else you wanted to talk about before oh, we roll yeah, on to our well, musical choices? Yeah, I think we should just wrap it up. Like you know, because when we we did, you know, obviously before we do the, we don't just come into them. We make notes and stuff about uh-huh, things. Uh-huh. You know, we're professionals. Yeah. So, and I always it's not my first about, well, rodeo. <laughs> Yeah, I always, every time we do this, I always sweat about, oh, what can we talk about? What are we going to talk about? You know, and I knew we were going to talk about Godzilla versus Kong. It was a fair bet we were going to talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier, because, like, what else? And I thought, well, you know, what else have I seen this week that we can talk of? And talk about if we run out of time. Because, obviously, whenever we get together, our problem is we run out of things to talk about. Mm, yeah, so, always. Yeah, so I've got a list. I was going to. I was going to talk about Love and Monsters, which Great is, film. so I, I'll just quickly mention that that's brilliant. It is, and, isn't it? And if you, yeah, you should you go and watch that. It's what I, I thought was, I mean, it, I wasn't expecting much of it, except people kept going, like my brother was going, have you seen Love and Monsters? And I thought, what, the Doctor Who episode? Yeah, <laughs> fucking 20 years ago when it came out, you know. So, uh, and he said, no, it's really good, you should watch it. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. And then, you know, my sister went, oh, by the way, have you seen Love and Monsters? Yeah, uh, no, I've not, but I've heard about it. Somebody mentioned to it, and my brother went, I did. I <laughs> I told you about it. <laughs> so I thought I should probably give it a go, because then it was getting a bit of a buzz. Like, on Twitter, people going, oh, it's Love and Monsters. I thought, okay, okay, I'll give it a go. But I wasn't really, I hadn't heard anything about it, because I'm just so out of touch with kind of like movie gossip and stuff like that now anyway. Mm. And it, I just loved it. It was just like a really fun ride yeah. uh, of, a, of a film it felt like a real throwback and again like like godzilla kong it felt like a it's been made by it's a love letter to kind of like the like the family friendly uh monster movies and fantasy movies of the 60s 70s 80s so like yeah harry yeah. Hayes stuff and your and your your doug mcclure type fancy movies like warlords of atlantis and that kind of thing and also like your 80s kind of they don't, you don't really get them now. I was talking to Staz Johnson, the comic artist on Twitter, saying that you don't really get those kind of kid-oriented or kid-friendly kind of fantasy movies anymore. Everything's kind of big budget. There's got to be an F-bomb or something in there to raise it into a, like a 12, uh, or there has to be a bit of gore and violence. And this is like a really nice PG. Nice is a horrible curse of a word, but a really <laughs> fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's no swearing. Yeah. In it. There's no nudity in it. It's not very gory. But there's some really cool monsters. There's the some monsters really look great. Ones. Just amazing monsters. And it just, there's, there's a lot of stuff. They throw a lot of ideas in there. It's kind of like Zombieland is an obvious touchstone in that it yeah. feels very like Zombieland, but with monsters instead of zombies. Yes. And it, and it feels very tremorsy to me as well. That kind of goofy yeah. monster and kind of dumb people, but likable people. And, and, and that kind of thing, that kind of fun roller coaster thing. Um, yeah, I just really enjoyed it. And of course, it had got Jessica Henwick in it as well, that I re- you know, who I have a bit of a crush on now. <laughs> and it made up for the fact that she wasn't in Godzilla vs. Kong. Love but- and Monsters was one of those ones that me and Rich watched last year. And I, I really hope that gets a re release when the cinemas are open because yeah. I feel like there's some monsters in that that are just going to be stunning on a really big screen. Yeah, yeah. Like properly, like, whoa, what am I looking at? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good, good fun movie that is. Yeah, good it fun. is. It's like, yeah, because watching it thinking, do you know what? I can see me watching that over and over again. I can see me pulling that off the shelf a good, you know, three or four times a year and just giving it a blast, you know? Yeah. And it was one, 
it was, again, it's one of the few times that I was kind of sad that I couldn't take my nieces to the cinema to see yeah. that. It's like my niece had loved that because she loves Tremors and, and, you know, and Jaws and that kind of stuff. I thought, that would have yeah. been a really, you know, a really nice one to take her to the cinema and say, just me and her going and see it like a, a monster movie at the cinema, you know? Yeah. And it, but it, it was a good, and it was, and it's like, it was like a good hearted film as well. It wasn't yeah. kind of, you know, bitter and cynical. And it had like an, I know it sounds like I'm like throttling the life out of it going, no, it's nice and it's warm hearted. <laughs> and it, it, no, but to be fair, yeah, that's the thing. Like I, so on a, what seems like a total tangent, but it is related. I was having a conversation on Twitter the other day with somebody about my favourite Black Mirror episodes. And yeah. I was saying that the more Black Mirror there is, the less I like it because there's so, it's so riddled with cynicism yeah. and yeah. technology is bad and the people that wield technology are bad and everybody's an asshole and the world is doomed. And so really, the only episode I can think to like anymore is San Junipero because it's the yeah. only one that seems quite nice. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah. this is like one of those films where it's like, like you say, people think nice is a terrible word like because it makes it sound like it's bland, but yeah. it isn't at all. It's like, like you say, it's funny, it's beautiful, it's uh, it's fun, it's impressive. The the lead character, and it, it has like a romance at the heart of the story, and it it's works. a bit cheesy, but it yeah. works so well. And like, uh, it's the kind of film that you watch and you come out of it and you don't feel like you want to kill yourself or anyone else. <laughs> And I think that's yeah. a good thing right now. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I thought tonally it, it was like, you finish that and you feel good. And I thought it reminded me of, although it's a completely different kind of film, it reminded me of like The Last Starfighter. I remember seeing The Last Starfighter in the cinema in like, 84 or something like that and coming out going, that had everything. That yeah. was, you know, I liked the, I liked the characters in it. Everybody was kind of likable. Uh, the romance really worked that, you know, it didn't, nobody come off like a bit of a, cause it, you know, the, the plot of Love and Monsters is, is that in seven years, like seven years after the monster apocalypse where monsters have taken over the earth kind of thing, all humans are living in little underground bunkers scattered around. And the main hero character is <laughs> in his bunker. He's the only single guy. Everybody else is kind of coupled off. It's like, college and everybody's shagging and he's stuck on his own but his girlfriend he's found out his girlfriend from seven years ago is still alive in another bunker 80 miles away and he's still smitten so he decides to go on a trek to go over to her bunker travel across ground to kind of you know in a big romantic gesture and kind of fling himself in her arms and ta-da, you know and you just think yeah I don't know. I was watching I don't know how they're going to write this, where it's going to work, because either, and they actually bring this up in the film, which I thought was quite nice, either he's going to get there and she's going to go, oh, I love you so much. And, you, and you're just going to go, I don't buy that after seven years. Yeah. Or he's going to feel like really creepy and he doesn't. You know, it's kind of nice that you, you do like him. It's, you know, it's unusual for this kind of, even in romantic comedies, you go, there's usually a guy and you go, yeah, that he's kind of weird that he's fixated stalkery. Yeah, he's kind of <laughs> yeah. you can you can appreciate you know where he's coming from. You know, if you're the, the last single guy on earth and your girlfriend you know is still alive, you'd want to you know get back together with him. Or he's going to get there and she's going to go, I've moved on, and it's going to be a bit of a downer of a, of an ending. And I thought the way they 
what they do come up with works really well. In yeah. that it didn't do either of those things. It did its own. It came up with something else, and and it worked really well. That wasn't a kind of like pat and twee, and it, it had a bit of like you know not hugely you know people behave like people. It's not like deep and introspective, but you know it's it's not a, a dumb kind of fairy tale. But it's also there's some, you know, realism to it and you go, okay, that's, she's not just a fantasy character in his mind. She's yeah. actually got her own personality and, you know, her own thing going on. She's, a, she's an actual character. So I, I thought it paid off really nicely. And it's just, again, just some fucking, you could go through the whole film just with, with a, with a, you know, a pad, just writing down all the little references and Easter eggs and callbacks and stuff to other, like fantasy films in a good way. It's not like it's just devoid of ideas, but there's just lots of little nudges and winks. And hey, do you remember the giant crab from uh, Mysterious Island? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All that kind of thing. Hey, do you remember the, uh, the remote control for the, for gods that used to summon Godzilla at the Godzilla cartoon in the seventies? Well, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, slightly pushing a button. So <laughs> it's, it's all there, all these little nuds and winks and stuff that just make it really, just a really fun. A really fun watch. Yeah, it's very good stuff. I like how we weren't going to talk about that, and then we yeah. Just, but I'm not. Um, I don't want to talk about that though because we haven't talk really about it. time. So let's not. No, no. Let's not well, talk about it. I'm going to be super fast at talking about something because I planned to talk about it very quickly anyway because it's not particularly nerdy. Okay. I just wanted to bring it up. Last month I did a bookworm challenge for uh, a fundraiser, and I read 16 books in a month. <laughs> And one of them was called What We Don't Talk About When We Talk About Fat. And it's by a lady called Aubrey Gordon, who is the person behind the Your Fat Friend uh, Twitter account. And the, the only reason I wanted to bring it to people's attention is because I have been doing, I am a fat lass, don't mind saying it, it's not offensive for me to say, it's this tantamount to me calling myself a brunette, which is also true. And I've done a lot of like beating myself up over the years for being fat. Um, and I've done a lot of like terrible yo-yo diets that weren't very good for me physically or mentally. And th- 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 there's been issues. <laughs> mm. Let's, let's put it that way. There was a, there was a brush with bulimia for a moment there. And mm. it was, it's, it's rough. And this is a book about, so I've been trying really hard to like feel less shitty about myself. And this is a book that I would re- highly recommend to literally everybody, but in particular to people either like myself who've struggled with their weight for a huge amount of time in their life or indeed the kind of people that might like to go on the internet and tell fat people because because mm. we care about your health that you're probably going to die early and you should probably think about not being a fatty mm. um because it is a book of uh, a combination of personal essays mixed with actual studies and evidence um around sort of fatness and how that interacts with health and both physical and mental um and it is just such an eye-opening book it is not promoting obesity and neither am i by saying that you should read it (laughs) what it is promoting is not treating fat people like garbage just because they're fat and I don't know, that's a communist to me. In it, though. Uh, and, and, and about how that can actually cause more yeah. damage to people, perhaps, than just leaving them alone, yeah. <laughs> letting them get I on with their own lives. Yeah. It's really good. Like, one of the – one of because I have this argument with people a lot when I say – like, a lot of people say, mm, yeah, well, you say it's not bad being fat. And, it, you know, and it doesn't make you a lesser person, but 
you are probably going to die early. Well, actually, no. Um, <laughs> and there's, there's a lot of evidence that people will not look at about how a lot of the studies that are done into these sorts of, um, you know, death rates and things are actually paid for by diet companies or people yeah. linked to diet companies. But also there's a lot of research coming out now about the fact that many fat people are getting misdiagnosed or delayed diagnoses in the first place because people are dismissing them because of their weight. Yeah. That's actually then causing them to die of things that they may not have died of had yeah. it been caught when it should have been caught. Um, so I just think the way she writes is really relatable. There's a lot of like studies and facts and figures, but she relates them to you in a way that doesn't feel like you're reading like a, a wedge of academia. Yeah. <laughs> um, and of course, she intersperses it with her own personal stories, a lot of which really resonated with me. And I just think it's really worth reading for anybody who has ever even thought about fatness, whether that's yeah. because you're fat, whether it's because you've always been thin, but you're terrified of being fat, <laughs> whether it's because you were fat and now you're thin and you kind of don't know what's happening in your life yeah. or indeed if you've always been thin but you want to understand where fat people are coming from when they say hey have you thought about not shouting at me in the street about how fat yeah. i am i think also i think there's a lot of people who've gained a lot of weight over the last year who yes. wouldn't normally gain weight yeah. because of obvious reasons mm-hmm. i think i think everybody kind of put weight on um, i mean i'm pretty big myself you know and, and I put I put weight on, and I kind of need to watch my weight because I'm you know I'm diabetic, so mm-hmm. it's kind of been a you know uh, I'm I'm not the best person to manage my kind of diet anyway. But that kind of just went right out the window last year, and yeah. it took me until about September October to go. I should really get a handle on this again now, and sort of you know at a certain point we realised you know these clothes are getting a bit tight again suddenly. I and I was doing quite well. I should, you know, and and it does kind of, and I think there's a lot of people who are feeling that. I know a lot of people who are, who are big gym people who have kind of have lost the gym over the last year and have kind of found themselves, oh, I'm kind of living my life, to be honest, who are kind mm. of like, yeah, I'm not going to the gym, but I'm eating a lot of biscuits, you know? <laughs> it's kind yeah. of like I'm finding comfort where I can find it. And when you're stuck in the house, it's in like a biscuit barrel or it's it's in a chocolate wrapper. And it's frequently just sitting on the sofa all day. And yeah, and I think there's a lot of people having to confront, you know, a lot more body issues who didn't have to, mm. um, 12 months ago, you know? Yeah. So I think, I think, yeah, it sounds like, yeah, it sounds like interesting. Cause I, I am yeah. talking to people who, who are just going like, I've never been, you know, you know, they're, they're in a, they don't recognize their own body at the minute. Yeah. which is kind of weird and they're kind of desperate to get back to the gym and now they're going back to the gym and going yeah i'm, I'm getting this now but i think there's a lot of people who've been very down due to body issues for the first time well i mean this is why i think books like this are great because um the book isn't pro or anti-weight loss it's not a yeah. book that's going to say look you know stop doing healthy activities and eating healthy things like it's it's not mm. <laughs> you know it's 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 not one of those sorts of things it's 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 more about understanding how society has trained us all to be terrified of being fat and yeah. to treat fat people with certain levels of dis- i mean i didn't really want to get too into this because i could go on forever but like one of the things it touches on in there is like medical fat phobia and the fact that like um you know, people do often get misdiagnosed because doctors only see their weight. And I mean, yeah. I've got 
examples as long as my arm of things like that. And the one that sticks with me the most, because it is the most ridiculous, is when I went to a doctor with a pain in my wrist that I was fairly certain was an RSI from work. And I just wanted to know, you know, what what do I need to do to manage this? Because I've got to keep doing my job. Um, so I'm going to keep doing these things with my hands while I'm working. Yeah. So how do I manage this? And the first thing that the doctor said to me was, have you considered losing weight? And yeah. I found that so ridiculous that I had to laugh in his face. And I said, mate, I don't walk on my hands. Like this isn't a, this isn't a weight issue. I don't put weight on this wrist. Yeah. Like what do I do? And I think it's actually important for people to be reading things like this now because as much as it's obviously a good thing to you know, eat things in moderation and move around when you can and if you want to, um, you know. But also it's about recognising that society is just driving us all into, like you say, like people are having body image issues, but your body is still doing amazing things every day and your personality is still you. Like just because you've put on 20 pounds for whatever reason it Mm. doesn't mean you're any less amazing like just because like because i used to harbor a lot of a lot of issues around the fact that i got down to being about 12 and a half stone i think for my wedding yeah and then almost immediately after my wedding i went and did jury service and it was a real tough case and i comfort it like nobody's business Mm. piled on a load more weight and sort of kept piling it on until i got to a certain level and then i threw away my scales and weirdly enough my body weight plateaued because i suddenly stopped caring and i said yeah exactly so suddenly i was no longer like guilt eating because i'd gained a pound like well i may as well go to the chippy then kind of thing yeah that's but, i mean that's the thing that's what i found because what i'm trying to like so i'm trying to lose weight for my you know for my health for the you know because of the diabetes and stuff <laughs> and but, but what i'm trying to not do which is why it's taking ages really and it's very very gradual is not go on a diet yeah as like a temporary thing i'm trying to find a way of just adjusting my habits naturally so I can find like a happy medium of what can I do that, you know, isn't just going to be a temporary where I'm going to be strict for three months and then sort of bounce back and then have to do it again in, you know, two years' yeah. time. But actually yeah. try and find a, a lifestyle change that's going to be not too hard because I'm lazy, obviously, and I don't <laughs> want to give up too much. But, you know, but again, just try and find like the medium and what works for me and to find the, the comfort spot to go, where can I not be killing myself, but yeah. also kind of enjoying myself at the same time? Yeah. Well, this is the thing, because like I I used to harbour a lot of guilt around eating when I was trying to lose weight for the wedding. I would genuinely consider whether or not to go out for people's birthdays and stuff, because I was like, oh, well, if I drink alcohol, I'm probably mm. going to eat more food. We're going to eat out. I'll probably end up, you know, doing drinking X, Y, and Z. So that means how much time in the gym is that going to take? And that was mm. like the constant thought process. So the great thing about books like this is it's about it's about it's more about listening to your own body and what you need rather than thinking about what society thinks you should have yeah. and how you should. Because if if you were to ask me when I was at twelve and a half stone how happy I was with my body and myself I would probably say actually not that happy because I'm living in constant fear of getting fat again (laughs) whereas now that I'm actually like the biggest I've ever been but I've been this size for about five years straight now I've not you know my my body size hasn't changed since I threw out my scales um 
I'm actually mentally in a much better place mm. because I'm not constantly feeling guilty because I had a chocolate bar or yeah. beating myself up because I went out for my mate's birthday and had seven drinks and a kebab. Like, yeah. um, and I, I just think these sorts of things, like we really need to break out of this, of this, like if you want to go to the, if you enjoy going to the gym and eating rabbit food, like do it. But if you don't, like, it doesn't make you any less of a – like, your value is not a number on a scale. Yeah, Look, I'm yeah. going to go off on one. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's, here's but read the book, segment. guys. Here's a little change. Can I just say I had my, my – I've got my phone on silent, obviously, because I'm not a cunt. But it, it flashed up about 40 minutes ago with a message from our friend Jenny Newman yeah. saying, I've started to try and watch Joker – and I already regret it. Right? <laughs> oh, and sure. then 10 minutes ago, she said, gave up and I've put Invincible on. So I just want to say yay for the anti-Joker posse. Well done. I'm so glad we don't have to cut Jenny entirely out of our lives now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's I'm referencing earlier when we were talking about how you're not allowed to. Anyway, Lee, what song would you like to recommend to our listeners? Because I uh, really need to wee, so we've got to wrap this up. Yeah, I, yeah, I was thinking that. I think my, my bladder's saying it's time to wrap things up. Yep. My recommendation <laughs> is uh, Run Boy Run by Woodkid. I first discovered this on <laughs> Strictly Come Dancing. Oh, wow. I think I'm a big Strictly fan, and I think it was last year or might have been the year. No, it might have been the year before, actually. Who knows what is time? Um, and one of the dances towards it, I thought, well, that's good. I like that tune. I don't I know what that is. I'll, this is how I tend to discover stuff because I'm not a, a musicy person. So I tend to discover stuff through TV adverts and like movie soundtracks and stuff like that. So I looked it up and it's like really good. And the video for it is tremendous um, and ties in really nicely with it with that monster theme episodes really yeah yeah i went and watched the uh the video because when you told me earlier what your song was going to be i thought i should actually go and have a listen to this because nine times out of ten i ask people what their song is and i've never heard it and i just go oh cool <laughs> <That's> great. anyway <laughs> here's my choice great, great choice uh, so let's re- roll on um i think i know this from a trailer but i can't place in my head what the trailer's from yeah I, th- I think it's been used in an advert or something <laughs> yeah but... it feels like a recent thing as well but i can't place what it's for but it is a really good song and the video is very atmospheric isn't it it's amazing. Um, I, I loved it. I, it's I, really good. I, I like the shirt. And the, the video is basically a kid, like a like a 10-year-old schoolboy, mm-hmm. yeah. basically running across like a desolate landscape being chased by monsters, right, who keep bursting out the ground. And then he falls over and you think, oh, no, the monster's going to get him. And the monster sort of picks him up, puts him back on his feet, and they carry on running. And you realise they're his mates. And I got so kind of emotional. <laughs> <laughs> I get so... Honest to God, I get so emotional since I hit. I think when I hit 40, I got really angry at everything. When I hit 50, I got really kind of tearful and kind of, oh, my God. (laughs) Especially kids and stuff because I've got, you know, like nephews and nieces in my life. All the stuff with kids stuff now. It's like, so when the monster picked him up and put him on his feet and they carry running, and then another monster runs up and gives him a sword. And and they're like, yes. (laughs) This kid's got a monster army. It is a very good video. So yeah, I was. So I, I love the. I'm like, I want to see this movie. It's like it's one of those videos where you go, I want more of this. Can we have like a well, two yeah. hour? Because he's like running towards like a sort of fortress looking thing, isn't yeah. he? And you're like, when you get there, you're like, well, what what happens now? Yeah, what? Yeah. So Come I, I then googled the rest of the videos to see is the is it, where is the, does the next does it carry on? Does the next song they released pick this up? You know. Um, but they do. They did another one from this year or last year 
another track because that's from like 2012 or something. It's years old. Yeah. They did one called Goliath hmm. out this year. That's got another kind of monstery, creepy, semi-horror video to it. Oh, um, cool. But that's all. It's again, I don't know how you describe it. Kind of industrial folk. Well, I looked it up because I didn't know how I would describe it. And on Wikipedia, it lists it as art pop slash chamber pop slash neo folk slash martial industrial slash electronic. Okay. <laughs> Which that I doesn't don't help think me, but yeah. Any of those okay. really mesh with what I heard because yeah, there was a lot of like strings and sort of yeah, it's rousing movie orchestra stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, what? Um, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. My pick this month, uh, this is, yeah, this is a month, isn't it, that I do yeah. these episodes? Jeez Louise. Uh, is a song called Be Sweet by Japanese Breakfast, uh, which is like a sort of synth pop type catchy 80s type tune yeah i it's very 80s again it's it sounded like something from like a like an 80s movie like yeah. war games or something like that some kind of techy geeky 80s thrillery you know light thriller like yeah that yeah. sort of thing it, that, that song's got a really good video as well because it's um japanese breakfast is a, is a woman called michelle I think it's Zona, but it could be Zona. I don't actually know. But it's her and another artist whose name I've completely forgotten uh, doing a sort of X-Files type yeah. <laughs> traipsing around with aliens and things. So that's, uh, it's quite a fun video. But it's just such a catchy little bop. Mm. And I, uh, yeah, I sort of fell in love with it the first time I heard it. And on that note, I really do need to pee. So, Lee, would you okay. like to plug anything before I run off to the toilet? Uh, no, except I've got nothing to plug. I, obviously, I should be doing my own podcast by now. So I can, every time I come on, I'm going, yeah, well, I want to do this podcast, but I'm, I'm thinking now it probably won't happen because who needs another 40, 50-year-old white guy <laughs> giving opinions? So, uh, but yeah, I, I'm on Twitter at lovelylee underscore G if, and I talk about comics and movies and, uh, get told off for calling it tourist cunts quite a lot, but, oh, um, but still mostly comics to be fair. <laughs> Excellent. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you in the parlour again, Lee. Yeah, it's uh, nice to be here. It's been like a year, I think. I know, it's been a while. It's always good. It's, always it's good. been a hot minute. But yeah. uh, I was I was very excited when you were just as excited as I was about Godzilla versus Kong. So. Yeah. We, <laughs> Thanks we for indulging me. We don't, don't want to subscribe to, hey, maybe get somebody on who could offer a bit of balance. Now, nah, fuck it. I want somebody nah. who can nah. rave with me about it. Nah. What I want is somebody who's going to go, uh, a Godzilla with an axe. Uh, a <laughs> Kong with an axe. Fucking get in there, quids in. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, everybody, hey, have a lovely rest of the month and I'll uh, speak to you soon, darlings. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. To get in touch with me, the titular Stace, you can follow me on Twitter at Stacey's Parlour, send an email to stacysparlour at gmail.com or come and join the Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour Facebook group. If you'd like to leave a review for the show, please do so on Apple Podcasts or over at podchaser.com. If you like what you heard enough to want to give me some money, which would be quite spectacular actually, you can go to coffee.com forward slash Stacey's Parlour. That's ko-fi.com forward slash Stacey's Parlour. The music that you're hearing right now is by the amazing band Starbomb and you should really check them out on Spotify, iTunes or on their website. Thanks for stopping by and I'll see you next month. Mwah! <laughs>